Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Click Gaming's weekly podcast. Uh, Evan here, and over with the big beard is Chance. Um, we're kind of scrambling for something to talk about, but we figured something out. Chance came up with a great idea. We're um, always scrambling for something to talk about. Um, there's plenty of things to talk about, but are we experts on them or good enough to give our opinion yes or can we bs about it for at least 25 minutes <laughs> uh <laughs> true uh but anyways we're going to talk about how microsoft bought uh bethesda and kind of why they bought it i'd say uh kind of the long term what their goal is uh, and maybe some other companies that are going to be looking into competing with that uh, are already competing with that. Uh, so Microsoft bought Bethesda for seven and a half billion dollars uh, short, you know, chump change. Um, and that includes several software companies, machine games, ID software, uh, Arcane Studios, Alpha Dog Games, uh, Tango Gameworks. And I'm sure a lot of you probably don't know those names all that much uh zenmax online studios but so is bethesda just a holding company uh was yes uh and they published they were publisher as well i believe um so like bethesda uh worked with elder scrolls which is a big deal uh that's a very deep uh storyline and just game series uh, Wolfstein, Fallout is a big, there's a deep series as well. Um, you know, other games like Pirates of the Caribbean, Star Trek, uh, Terminator, um, just a bunch of games. And not too long ago, uh, Microsoft started what is it called? Game Pass. And for those that don't know about Game Pass, um, yeah, it started in 2017, so three years ago. Um, for 10 bucks a month, you can have access to their entire library of games. Um, and so they have like a bunch of games, like some, they're adding those games. So my theory is that Microsoft, or I say my theory, a lot of people's theories are that Microsoft bought Bethesda to have access to those games, to encourage people to buy more game pass because they want monthly money coming in. Kind of like how they switched Windows to monthly uh, licenses, right? Chance they they switched to monthly licenses for uh, not for what? Windows, Microsoft Office, Office, Suite, Office, okay, three sixty five, and that's a monthly slash yearly subscription. Um, Windows is still a paper license for uh, uh, regular users. Your enterprise is a different story, but uh, regular users are still uh, monthly, or still still just to buy once. Buy once, cry once type thing. Um, so with Office 360, I guess the studio, uh, they wanted monthly money coming in. Monthly money is a lot better than uh, one time buy, cry, whatever you said. <laughs> <laughs> cry once, buy once. Buy once, cry once. Uh, so monthly money is a little bit better than that. Um, less noticeable. Um, well, you know, not as much monthly. money. I mean, all, all software is going to monthly just because the big thing with monthly is you have a recurring revenue. If you go 
one-off purchases. Like it was a big deal prior, but you have to release enough new features to make somebody want to pony up again and buy the new version. So um, Microsoft kind of ran into the deal and most companies, Adobe's been uh, subscription for a little while for the same reasons of like there for a while, like computers were and software was advancing fast enough that like it made sense that you wanted to buy, you know, you bought Microsoft Office 2003, 2007, or eight came along, like you're going to want to buy seven, you know, 2007, 2008 time frame, and then, oh, 2014, 2015 came around, like you're going to want to buy that. But then, like we've kind of hit a plateau, and Adobe was the same way, is like they started seeing a bunch of people just hanging out on like Adobe 11, 12, 13. Because like, well, I have basically everything I need, whatever I need, right, in the software. Uh, it does what I need, so there's no reason for me to pony up and pay another thousand dollars, two thousand dollars to Adobe to get another set of licenses, right? Uh, Microsoft same way, right? So, Office finally hit a point of like, you know, like why do I need newer Office? Like this does everything I need to do, and especially now that Windows 10 is supposed to be the end all be all of Windows, like they're not even going to have like compatibility as a reason. So some people would buy a newer version of software because oh, I'm running a newer operating system. The old version no longer works on a new version, so I have to have the newer version for my operating system to work, right? Um, but anyway, so a combination of the fact that we're not supposed to have any new operating systems and you have to release enough uh, new features makes somebody want to buy a new one. So uh, subscription makes sense because that very reason of like, you no longer have to release a good product uh, and you can release updates that could be broken, right? You know, you're not on the hook for a good product once every couple of years that you have to convince people to buy. You just have to convince them to sign up for your monthly payment and then they're hooked. <laughs> um, but I guess video games are going to be going to that or at least uh, a portion of them. They'll all go to that eventually. I'm assuming. I mean, video games might be slightly different because each time they develop a new game, that's a reason to buy the new game because um, they have like to re like recreate everything a lot. I could see Call of Duty going to that because they kind of release a new Call of Duty every so often. So, like, it makes sense for that. But, like, your one-off games are probably going to still just be one-off purchases because, like, the new version of the new game, you know, is the reason to buy the new game, right? You don't have the problem of, like, we have to release enough new features to make somebody want to buy the new version. It's just release a, release a new game, and it's completely new. Um, but anything that's, that hangs around for a while, probably go to that just because it's nice on their side. They have, like set revenues that'll come in approximately which is nice for the business side to keep stable like because you have to hire people you have to pay with bills, salary and stuff so um that's nice on that side but like the one-off games are probably still be one-off purchases unless you get into to like the game passes and stuff where everybody gets 50 cents a month or something and then you just kind of like deal with it 50 cents per person or whatever or per, per subscription right uh, not just like 50 not just 50 cents a month uh for the whole month for everybody that plays it right. um yeah i'm not sure you're gonna get like 25 cents 50 cents a month or something off of it right because you think about game pass maybe all the games you download get a portion of your 10 dollars, 15 20 dollars a month even if even if 50 dollars a month right you have 10 games downloaded that's five bucks a person or five bucks a game per month right and then you like have to go through the process of like how do you divvy it up of like this game is way hard way more complex than that game so like is it like do we divvy it up differently and stuff or like they played more hours on this one though you maybe know. you do it by hours right like i don't know what the answer is but like somehow you have to divvy it up and say like hey 
out of the twenty dollars that month we get, this is fair um, to pay to each person. So like, and that's probably why. See, Microsoft's in a weird spot. Some companies are in a weird spot. Microsoft's in a weird spot, and it's probably why they're kind of grasping for straws at this point. Um, Google's not in the weird spot Microsoft's in, but they also have a pile of money. So Microsoft has a pile of money. Google has a pile of money. Apple has a pile of money. A handful of these companies have a big pile of money. And instead of like innovate and like actually make products in-house, they can't, basically can't. So like big corporations are notoriously bad for being able to produce new products in-house. So kind of the strategy has been for the last maybe 12, 14 years is just buy startups. So like whenever a startup gets to a point of like, oh, this looks promising, just buy it. And then you can take it over and run it however you want to run it. But uh, yeah, so because they can't innovate in how, they're, they're start buying stuff. And so Microsoft's kind of grasping at straws because they don't really have a solid revenue base at this point. Um, their Windows users are like going away. Like they've got weird licensing stuff with new Windows 10 stuff. Windows 10 is supposed to be the last operating system. So once you buy it for a computer, you never have to buy it again. So like there's not this every couple of years you get a new set of Windows licenses. Uh, businesses are kind of a different story, but basically they don't have any revenue, any major revenue coming in other than office products and some like enterprise stuff that they do. I think some enterprise stuff, they do a ton of enterprise stuff, but like they don't have that huge amount of web revenue coming in from Windows, which historically has been a big chunk of the revenue is Windows licenses. So believes in a predicament of like, how do we make money? And so that's why they've kind of gone down the advertising boat recently. They're trying to push more being users. They're trying to push more like different things to make money selling your data type stuff um, other than selling my Windows licenses. So it's kind of why they're integrating more with cloud. They're trying to push OneDrive. They're trying to push Office 365, you know, all these products that are subscription-based. Microsoft or, Team. <laughs> team, I mean, that's on the enterprise side, but... Yeah, I mean, all this stuff that's like subscription-based that they can bring revenue in that's not from Windows. Um, so they can keep supporting Windows and developing Windows, but uh, have revenue coming in. Well, I mean, for an end user, how, I mean, I don't enjoy paying monthly, but at the same time, like it's an automatic withdrawal, like you just stop noticing it. Um, your average person will stop noticing it. Um. So, like, is it good in the long run? For the end user, no. For the company that's doing it, yes. Because, I mean, you might end up paying... Because, like, I don't know, you're buying games that you don't necessarily use, but maybe you get more involved into those games now because you have them or have access to them. Um, so maybe it's good for developers to get their game recognized, um, you know, especially if you're a smaller game. Um but if you're like a large AAA title, like there's not really a point. You're already discovered like like clips and stuff and like people having fun are going to grow your game more than being on a Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, we'll see what wins. I mean, the convenience factor is definitely a big deal. So like same way with Netflix, same way with Spotify, same way with all these other platforms, title. Um, anyway, basically name a platform that gives you full access to a library of things. Um, it's, it comes down to convenience, right? It's like, it's a big selling point is like, you don't have to pony up big amounts of money and you don't have to make decisions. 
So like it takes away the decision of what game to buy and it takes away the like, oh, I got to pony up 80 bucks, 100 bucks for the game when I could just pay 15 bucks monthly or whatever, right? So like it's definitely a convenience factor it adds in. I mean, I'm sure the subscription will win because like the convenience factor will outweigh like the negatives, but we'll see. Well, Amazon um, is starting to get into... I keep I get emails all the time from Amazon saying, "Hey, try Amazon Gaming or Amazon Games." Um, I don't even know if they have any good titles on there. Um, I kind of just ignore it because I mainly just play Call of Duty. Uh, right. I mean, it's just Prime a, Gaming is the right. Sorry. At this point, it's just everybody grasping for the next big thing, right? All these big companies that just have bukus of cash laying around that are trying to figure out what they can do to spend the money. Basically, it's like, hey, we have tens of billions of dollars to blow what can we blow it on right so they have all these pet projects and like they're just going to start trying stuff let's buy some companies let's freaking try new stuff like we got tens of billions of dollars to throw at stuff like let's throw it at the wall and see what sticks right because what are they you know maybe they land on the next big next big thing and they bring in hundreds of billions of dollars from it they pour 10 billion in they brought in 500 billion so they're all just grasping straws trying to trying to be the leading basically the leading dog in the pack right they they're trying to win that market share on all these emerging markets. And when you have that much cash, you can basically play the lottery on every market imaginable. Um, it seems like Amazon, let's see. And mainly it looks like they're just doing like loot, like drops and stuff like, Oh, you have prime. So you get this exclusive skin kind of stuff. Um, does it look like there's any games really? But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Amazon does add games. I mean, they might have games, um, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they're adding things all the time to Amazon. Uh, yeah, Amazon problems. They don't really have a platform, right? They don't. They don't control a major gaming platform. So, like, what do they do? Compete with Steam? You know, like. They don't control a major gaming platform, whereas Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, these people that actually control a major gaming platform, uh, you know, they have a little different. I don't know. They're they're just in a much different situation than like somebody say like say Amazon is in, um, trying to bring trying to do game libraries because what are you going to do with the Amazon game library, right? What are you going to play that on? So you're going PC is the only option, right? So. Uh, Still compete with Steam at that point. Uh, yeah, it says Prime Gaming includes a free monthly Twitch Prime sub or Twitch channel subscription, uh, tons of free content in your favorite gaming or favorite games, and five plus free PC games every month and more with your Amazon Prime subscription. Okay, um, so there's PC games. Uh, yeah, five free ones. Um, I was thinking maybe they could do something with their Fire tablets and like some of that type of stuff, but like. Because they have the fire stick, right? Like they could do some basic stuff with some of that. Uh, and maybe that is their end goal is to do something along the lines of their fire stick or fire tablet or something. But I mean, they're competing with Steam at this point. Like, I don't know. They could win. It's Amazon. They could probably buy Steam. Mm, maybe. Valve's pretty big. Um. But I mean, gaming, gaming, I mean, Google, their impact on it is what? They have the Stadia, 
and I know they're struggling to add games to it. Um, and I mean, yeah, obviously, Google's I guess Microsoft. Idea. I mean, of course, like I said, Microsoft is it's still struggling to add some games. Um, a oh, lot yeah, of their games they've added are old. You convince a freaking game development company that usually gets 20, 30, 50, 100 bucks for a game to now get 50 cents a month. Per user, yeah. <laughs> yeah, instead of sell them a new $60 game every two years. That sounds like a lot less money coming in. You you sell that, buddy. Here, you're going to get $6 a year instead of $40 a year. Sound great, right? No. Cool. That's why they're having issues. It's harder <laughs> to buy companies than like doing stuff in-house to make it happen. Just because It's the same like the movie industry. They were hardcore against it until Netflix finally, like, they didn't have an option, right? Netflix won. So they didn't have an option, so they had to bow down to Netflix. But like, same story. Like, these game companies are gonna hold out as long as possible, and then once they finally lose, and they'll concede, or if they win, then they win, right? Well, how Netflix won, I guess, is is kind of what you're saying is how they're how you're thinking the subscriptions will win is eventually their library gets big enough that you're like, well, I'm just happy with my subscription. I'm yeah, not yeah. going to buy any I'm not watching anything other than what's on Netflix, right? We eventually got to a point where, like, there was enough people that only watched Netflix, only watched Netflix stuff that, like, you had to be on Netflix, otherwise your stuff wasn't going to be watched. And so, I mean, we're, there's still companies fighting it. Like, there's still programs that go on and off Netflix and stuff, like, as contracts come in and end and, like, weird cable stuff that's historical stuff that's not gone yet. But, like, Ultimately, at this point, if your stuff's not on Netflix, I mean, Hulu's kind of trying to help, but like, basically, if your stuff's not on Netflix, it's not getting watched, and so, like, <laughs> they control the they control the the uh, the market. Uh, English is hard. Attention, they control the attention, right? They have the attention. Like, there's nobody else can get any of the attention because they control it. So, like, they won. So they can say, hey, do you want to be watched or not? We'll give you however much they pay somebody, right? Pennies on the dollar compared to what they were making. But you're getting the pennies on the dollar instead of zero. Uh, or very, very, very few. Uh... So if if uh, libraries, like game library subscriptions or whatever take off, it'll be the same story. I don't know if it'll ever take off in that fashion just because there's so many different platforms. So like Netflix was platform agnostic. So it really helped out with Netflix taking off as like your phone, iPod, iPhone, tablet, computer, name a device and it's got Netflix TV. on it, right? Yeah. Like name a device got Netflix on it at this point probably. Um, like your toaster, like God only knows what <laughs> Netflix is installed on. So like they control it. But like with all the different game consoles, Microsoft's going to fight for their thing and Sony's going to fight for their thing and Google's going to fight for their thing and NVIDIA's going to do their thing. And you know, and then you have your PC people that are doing their own thing, right? Everybody's doing kind of their own thing. It's just going to be a lot harder for somebody to come in there and actually win, um, which is kind of why Steam and Valve, like they control the PC market, right? And for the most part, yeah. They control us. I mean, for the most part, they control it. Um, 
Uh, everybody else that's not on Steam is just one-off companies that are big enough that they can tell Steam to hop in a lake and they'll be fine for now. But uh, if somebody came out with something like, say, Steam, Valve come out with Steam 2.0 and that worked with Xboxes, Playstations, and make up Nintendo. Like, Nintendo's never doing anything with anybody else, so never mind. Just stick with Xbox and PlayStation, right? Maybe Steam comes out with Xbox and PlayStation, and now Steam controls Xbox, PlayStation, and computer. Now Steam would be in a position to be like, all right, subscription, you're either on board or not. You know, they could actually do that. But, like, with how split apart the market is, I don't know if it's ever going to happen until somebody comes in there with, like, a common... uh, a common game pass, common game library that you can do that with. Well, especially now with cross-platform, um, it's I wouldn't say it's more split. I mean, I'd say it's less split because you're having your Xbox people play with your PS4 or your PlayStation people. But at the same time, like I'm going to play on what I'm comfortable with now. Other people would buy you know, it sounds ridiculous, but they'd buy two. They'd buy a PS, a uh, PlayStation, and they buy a Xbox, um, and they play both. When their Xbox friends were on, they'd play on their Xbox. But now they have cross-platform. You know what's what's going on? Um, you just play with whatever, and you just hop in Discord and talk with them. Um, so I don't know where I was really going with that, but that. Split, like I said, I don't know if cross-platform helps or hurts that split. I don't think it really matters a lot for the split because the split's more along the lines of where you buy your games, not necessarily who you play with. So, like, the fact you're buying one copy of the game versus two, like, no big deal. Um, Now, if you could play on everything, right, you could buy Game Pass and play on everything. See, that's what I'm getting at is, like, you're going to have to buy... Currently, my idea is you're going to have to buy the Microsoft version, you're going to have to buy the Sony version, and you're going to have to buy the PC Google version, version or right? PC version, Steam, whatever it is, whoever wins on the PC side. But you have to buy three different versions. So it's highly unlikely that any one of the three get enough traction to be able to say, like, we're now subscription-based, like, and all these AAA titles just be fine with it. I don't think any one of the three can get a market share to make a AAA title be like, all right, we're in because we want people to play our game. So, because I don't think they're going actually, because that gets back to the point of like Netflix gained enough traction that they could say like, you, you're either joining the party or you're not. Like, you can you can hop on the boat or we're leaving. Um, I don't think a single platform is going to be able to do that as long as they're segregated. So, when as long as Microsoft's fighting for Microsoft and Sony's fighting for Sony and whoever valve team whatever is fighting for pc i don't think you're ever going to get a, a common game library until you get somebody that comes in that said that works for all three but i don't know if you're gonna be able to get somebody that works for all three because like microsoft's gonna fight for their stuff right so like uh, your I best bet i guess now i think it's Sorry. so segregated that you're never going to get there at least with how things are currently structured i feel like you'd have to start it on pc get big enough and then go to PlayStation because PlayStation doesn't have a subscription based right now. Obviously, you couldn't go to Microsoft and say, "Hey, I want to offer you a uh, uh, a subscription based, you know, product," um, because they already have their own. So your best bet well, would be you can you just got to be big enough and have enough people following you that it makes sense for them to do it, right? Just- well, that's what I'm saying. You get big enough on PC and PlayStation, and then you go to Microsoft. 
Like exactly. I think right. PlayStation is is more likely to say yes because they don't have their own. Maybe does that make sense? Maybe, but they are they also may say yes and saying we're only do it if you don't let Microsoft do it, right? Like that's yeah, been that's a thing historically of like we'll be on board, but you can't get those guys on board, right? That's a historical thing yeah. that Microsoft and Sony have done despite each other for the game consoles. So like, I don't think with the current market structure, like it's going to happen. I think it's going to be a pipe dream and Microsoft's going to pour, pour a lot of money into it. It's never going to happen. The one caveat to that may be Stadia. So if Google can actually get people to play on Stadia, which it's got its flaws, it's good and bad. Like they've got a lot of work to do to make it actually really a thing. But if they can ever make that happen to where it's good enough to play on Stadia and you don't need your own device, then they won the game, right? Because then you're never going to buy another PlayStation, Xbox, computer, anything. You're never going to buy another anything. You're just going to play on their on their uh, streaming service, right? So, like, that's the ultimate, like, trump card, essentially, is that Stadia takes over. Because then you're never going to buy another console. So that's the ultimate trump card to actually win the game library game is to win the freaking uh, console game. And the only way to win the console game globally is something like Stadia. And why do you say Stadia? Because it's there's no console or there's Correct. not really a Correct. device? Correct, because you buy a $50 device and you can play on their thing and you... You know, you update your device every 10 years versus updating it every two or something when the new stupid console comes out, right? So that's the deal. Is like, you know, the idea is you buy a $50 thing and maybe maybe even update every three or four years, but it's $50 every three or four years with a subscription instead of three, four, five, six hundred dollars every couple of years and still have to buy the game. Or game and, or subscription and or subscription. Right. So the idea is the fact that you pay like, a, it, it's a lot cheaper, right? This idea. Uh, and you can play on nicer hardware. So like, maybe it... it's not it's having on location. Up. All your device does is basically forward your key, uh, your controller input or your mouse and keyboard input to their server, right? Right, all the rendering is done on their side and it's just shipped back and forth. So maybe, you know, if Google Stadia is equivalent of like, or I think they have packages, right? So they have like a couple packages, like 1080p, 1440, maybe 4K gaming or whatever, right? So say like 1080p is like you built a, you know, a 2070 computer, computer with a 2070 in, a, in 2020, right? Maybe that's their, their low end. And then their next step up is you build it with a, a 3070 and their super top end is a 3090, right? So instead of having to shell out the three grand or whatever for the 3090, you can just pay them 20 bucks a month, 30 bucks a month. And you get 3090 performance uh, for that 20, 30 bucks a month, uh, which comes out cheaper for you in the long run, right? And you don't have to worry about when the 4090 comes yeah. out. The 4090 comes out, you literally just keep paying your same amount of money and you get 4090 performance, right? And you don't have to keep upping your upping your uh, equipment every time and worrying about like compatibility and some of that stuff like, do I buy now, do I buy later? It's just so much more convenient and it's cheaper. Uh, for you in the long run. So like if they can get something or they may not be Stadia, maybe some other company that takes over, but like something along the lines of Stadia, that principle, um, if they can actually take over the market with that, then they won. Then they're going to be in the same place Netflix was as 
you're either <laughs> you can join our party or yeah <laughs> you can freeze outside basically <laughs> yeah you're either in or out so um well, at that point your exclusives don't matter you know because like that's the no, big because you have one platform right that's the idea the big debate now is you have the two things of the really the reason why you buy one versus the other is your controller one your controller and two uh your friends and three exclusives those are i said two did i say two reasons those are your three reasons right Uh, your exclusives i mean xbox has halo um i don't really know what all other ones they have um i don't really play exclusives but um the big one for sony is spider-man um and that's a very popular game but um those will yeah, cease to exist i mean they won't cease to exist they'll exist but they'll just be on the stadia platform be exclusive and everybody will be on the same thing right yeah. so there wouldn't it wouldn't be called an exclusive anymore because it's on the only one console there's only one console or one device right and everything and on it. you'll still have people playing on pc or you'll still have some other fringe stuff that sticks around but like for the majority of people if you i mean especially if you can buy like three or four of them and have like one in your bedroom and one in your living room and one in like your son's room or something or your kid's room or whatever right like you you got a game room or something maybe like a man cave you know you buy three four five of these consoles and you have your whole house full of them you just sit down and one of them start playing instead of like oh you, you, buy, you probably have one subscription. one subscription right you just sit down at whatever one you want to play and you play that you know all your all your saved games are still there like you don't have to worry about like all of that so it's like you just sit down on whichever one you want to play at and you can play so like it's way more convenient and like i say you but would you're never just limited buy... on right now we're limited on our internet <laughs> you're right but you would never buy seven consoles one for every room right but like if it's 50 dollars for the device like yeah buy one for every room uh yeah you would never buy seven consoles or seven I mean, computers you're crazy and running out of esports production facility yeah, but you would never do that. No one would ever do that. <laughs> Your average person. Your average person, a hundred percent, would not do that. No, they might own two, um, or maybe f- three. Two might be a three, like living room and maybe three a game room or something. But like, or your kid has one and you have one. Seventeen, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, but anyway, that opens up the door to buy seventeen or whatever if you do streaming version. So. Anyway, and make things a lot easier on our end. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of reasons to go to it, um, but the technology is the issue, and yeah, it's really an internet problem, kind of. It's also a problem of just how we've kind of built our infrastructure. Our internet infrastructure is in around data centers, and data centers are like, let's build this huge thing called a data center and have like twelve of them it's across really the country. Great. I have 12 of them across the country and it doesn't really work for like anything that's low like latency sensitive because just the band just the requirements for shipping the data across the country you know like if we have to hit iowa like that's going to take a while so like the better idea is we hit oklahoma we're in oklahoma city we hit oklahoma city or we were in dallas we hit dallas we're in atlanta we hit atlanta right but it's not how the internet was built we built huge huge uh like um uh, internet hi- huge internet highways basically 
uh, to data centers and we built huge data centers. So the latency is the issue, right? And so latency is only going to be good if you're basically co-located with the data center. So just the way we've historically currently built the infrastructure, it's just not really set up for it. Google was probably in the best spot out of anybody else um, to be set up for it, but they're still not really set up for it, right? You basically need like on literally on like every city, town. Top 50 cities. Every top 50, like the top 50 cities. You know, like every city, dude. Like every city and town need a data center. And basically is where you're at with we're starting to do like Stadia type stuff is every city and town needs a, like a small scale data center to be able to support it. Well, maybe you just get rid of the large ones and you just move towards smaller ones. But obviously, that takes a lot of work. A lot of work, and a lot of money. They sunk in a lot of money in these big data centers, right? Like, And like your your maintenance cost goes up because like it's remote. So like you have to like send people out to maintain them. Like you add a lot more complexity when you do a, small, a bunch of smaller data centers than, you, than when you have huge, large data centers. Uh, the software side is also not cut up like uh, it would be very hard to build uh, a ton of small data centers. We have some companies that are starting to do something along those lines, but like it's pretty rare and most software hasn't caught up to be able to handle that. I mean, very, very few, if I say very, very few, a very small subset of software that you interact with can even span data centers. So like most software that you interact with doesn't even span a date, like two data centers. Like it's just on one data center and then they have like a backup that's a backup copy on the other data center and they have like a switch they can fail over to but like primary failover type stuff not like oh let's run on seven data centers at once so it's a very few companies are set up there are very few softwares very few software creations at all are set up to run on multiple data centers so i mean even like like you have like rocket league and like video like video game wise like some of them are on multiple ones or right. most of them are you, point, you point to a specific data center when you load in, right? Like you point to east or west, and like it's only one data center on east or one data center on west, right? Like you're you're not spanning data centers because you're some pieces span the data centers, like your account spans data centers, but like the software itself doesn't span data centers. Like you I'm can't not connect pinging, east. east and pinging west, right? Uh, in one game, right? Like, the four people in your lobby, two of them can't be on east, one of them be on west, and one of them be on Europe, right? Like they all have to be pointing towards east or west or Europe or they all have to be pointing towards the same data center. So like most software is that case of like you're at one data center. And so spanning out to hundreds or thousands of data centers is not really something we've architected in our current software. It'll be in the future. Like I said, there's some there are some companies that are kind of moving towards that. Um, but it's just really not a thing that's been super well designed and developed uh historically. Cool. So there's a lot of work to before we get to thousands of data centers. And that's why people complain about lag is because you're hitting the wrong data center. Right. Or the data center too far away, right? You're yeah. in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, right? The data center is crazy far away compared to what, you know, if you're in Iowa with the Iowa server or whatever, right? So just kind of how it works. Well, how long do you think for Stadia to actually take? Like if they keep pouring money into it, obviously – pouring money into it will speed it up but you can't go any faster than the current software um how long do you think till stadia or another company can spin up and actually be a serious competitor here's the if another company comes in google's gonna buy them up i guarantee they give any other company that starts to make a wave i guarantee they give them like 
enough money just to go off and leave and stop. Um, and they just have their software and their development. Right. They just say, hey, we'll give you $20 billion to just go live on an island and never talk to anybody else ever again, right? When you have that kind of money, you can just say like, hey, you're we're going to give you this and you're going to go away and you're never going to talk to anybody else ever again. Or work um, for us, yeah, basically. And they're going to say, we're taking your software for this amount of money. You can take it or leave it and you can go away. You can never do this stuff again, right? Like, um, so if another company so starts taking off, Google will, Google, Google will buy them out, Amazon will buy them out, Microsoft will buy them out, somebody will buy them out. If another company like, starts to make real headway, unless they're like our Elon Musk type person, um, I don't even know if an Elon Musk type person, maybe Elon Musk is the wrong person, but uh, maybe Zuckerberg or somebody that's really keen on like, no, I'm changing the world. You can go hop in a lake. Um, Jeff Bezos maybe would be a better example because Musk technically sold out for PayPal. For PayPal. Um, maybe, so he's not the big, maybe he's not the biggest example, but you'd have to have somebody that's really like in it your for... Your wallet has to be big enough you can tell the other person to... Not necessarily wallet, away. but your, your cojones have to be big enough that you're going to tell Microsoft to go hop in a lake. Sure. <laughs> you got to think... And turn down $20 million for no more work. You got to think, Google yeah. says, here's $20 billion to go away. You're like... Uh, <laughs> you get a pretty big opponent to say no. I'm going to beat you, right? Because like you're you're way smaller than they are. You're competing with huge companies, and so basically, it's how big your cojones are. And if you actually care about making an impact to the world, or if you just want to make some money, right? Because your legacy, right? That becomes a question of legacy. Is the twenty billion, thirty billion, hundred billion dollars Google is going to give you worth it? Versus, well, I could be the I could leave the legacy of starting the new you know, stream video game stuff, right? Like, um, um, so do you think 10 years? <sighs> I think it could be 20. It could be five. Um, it'll take a catalyst, right? It'll take some big catalyst of like either some, I don't know if Google can do it just because big companies historically, like Google has been one of the weirder ones of like, they've been able to innovate quite a bit. Um, but like historically, most big companies don't innovate super well. So it takes like some small startup catalyst startup company type thing uh, to really compete and take to like move the market, um, at least start the movement. And so like it depends on when somebody comes around and, and does it right. Like whenever some random person, the next Jeff Bezos comes around and decides I'm doing this right and they do it right. If they come around next year it'll be five years if it takes them 20 years to come around then it'll be 25 years right like um it kind of depends on when that i don't think there's really a way to guess the time frame at this point it's just kind of when that person comes around to really drive it and make it happen because like you gotta think it's gonna be an interesting thing to make happen basically what they're gonna have to do is go build out the software infrastructure and the physical hardware infrastructure uh to have small data centers that do the streaming locally right so like you got to go to at&t and basically like i don't know like all over the place at at&t like every network closet they have in the whole country you need to have a set of servers sitting there running in that network closet and so to get as close as possible to your users and so building that out is going to take a lot of time and effort and time and effort and time and effort to make that happen so like money for sure but time and effort for sure to make that happen to be able to you know maybe at t is the wrong to write one but like start out somewhere and be like start building out your infrastructure be like 
you know, maybe you have a central data center to do some stuff, but like most of your stuff's gonna have to be edge. If we call it edge, uh, edge devices, um, kind of the newer term in the IT industry is edge devices or edge computing. Basically, you're living on the edge of the network instead of the center of the network, and so that you have to deploy devices everywhere. You know, like in Oklahoma City alone, you're probably gonna have 30, 40, 50 data centers uh, just to handle Oklahoma City. Um, and that's not counting like all your smaller towns and stuff all over the place. So like, it's going to take a lot of, lot of, lot of work to make that happen. And so it just depends on kind of when it happens because Google is going to stay on the side of like, we want to live in our data centers. They, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what Google is doing, but like it would typically, typically they're, they, their typically they're not going to be able to there. Typically they're not going to be able to make it happen historically so maybe they'll pull a rabbit out of the hat and make it happen but um no i think it's gonna be some startup somewhere that makes it happen um and they're gonna just like i say have to go through the process of every freaking city setting up 20 30 40 quote unquote tiny data centers um to make it happen to get the latency down far enough where it's usable Hmm. well i think I think a good average would be eight to nine years. And obviously I'm not as knowledgeable on like the type of technology it takes, but I think if they continue to pour money into it, um, eight, eight to nine years, is probably a decent time frame. Um, yeah. I'll maybe by you. then we'll take the stadia. We like reverse engineer it or whatever, and then try to come out with their own, uh, to compete with it. And then they'll just get bought. Yeah. Um, I think the smartest move would be, so uh, internet is the thing, right? We we do yes. a lot to, we do, a, we have a lot of things we've developed to ship less data around the internet and to make, to get it closer to users. Typically those are called CDNs or content delivery networks. A lot of times when you're hitting website, most of the images, sometimes even like, the JavaScript and CSS, HTML even sometimes is cached on one of these CDNs. And so basically when you hit the website, you hit the closest local copy to you that you can. Um, and basically what that boils down to is pick companies like Cloudflare um, and a few of the other bigger CDNs have servers everywhere and people just pay them for, pay them storage fees of like, hey, we want to host XYZ data on your servers and we want to spread out you know, all over the globe and then when somebody accesses your site, you hit the Oklahoma City version, right? If you're in Oklahoma City, you hit the Oklahoma City version. And so your your latencies are a lot slower and your load times are a lot quicker. So most big sites are like that. Um, it's kind of a mess, but that's kind of how we do uh, a lot of images. Images are the big thing because images are huge and expensive to ship around. But like videos, also a thing. Um, game libraries are a thing, you know, game downloads. Uh, basically anything that's very large is typically delivered by a, a content delivery network. And so there's just spread it, out, spread it all over the globe, right? They'll release it on the content delivery network and then basically open the floodgates up to people to access it on that content delivery network. So probably the most interesting way to deploy it would be is to have a content delivery network that you built out and then slowly start adding these gaming servers to your content delivery network. So like maybe you go build out five or six edge network content delivery networks in Oklahoma city and all these other cities. Maybe that's how you, you build out your initial like infrastructure for your data, data centers to have like edge data centers actually closer to the users. And then you come back 
after you've kind of got that infrastructure built out and then you add in the the rendering farms uh, to handle the games i don't know just my two cents of like a good way to approach it without having to have just bukus of money and time so you could start out with the content delivery network which we've kind of already decided is a like we kind of already have the technology to do it and it's already been done a couple of times so like that'd be a good way to start and then once you already have kind of locations established and the all the contracts in place with all the different isps and facilities and local building maintenance on those servers all that fun stuff once you kind of get all that lined out you know it's just another step to start adding in rendering rendering computers right rendering servers to be able to play the games and then your next step is to really freaking push it and try to get people playing it you know because like if you could get you know we've got HTT fiber if you get if you get into rack 59 you're talking 10 12 milliseconds latency like that's a frame that's plenty playable for most games you know like, and most people right so like most people's like should be fine with a frame or two of latency and so especially most of your casual stuff especially like you're playing spider-man or you're playing like wee bowling among or, us. like among us like all this all most like probably 80 i don't know about 80 percent is a good boy good but maybe 80 percent of the time you're that people are playing games on consoles it's probably fine for well i mean among us like we normally play like i normally i average like 50 milliseconds of ping right like, that's still uh, among us i'm talking about 10 to 12 milliseconds of latency on like you click a button on the mouse and uh, the game reacts right like talking about stadia type stuff right so like well, i wonder what the average is on parsec right now parsec like, like, for, what you're hitting. like, like say we're hitting us, yeah. like two milliseconds we're local dude it's like two like two milliseconds sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but I... um but anyway, so that's the that's the deal. Is you're gonna have to get down to that sub one frame, basically, of sub 13 milliseconds. You know, if we keep, we'll probably stick 60 FPS is pretty good. So we'll probably stick to 60 FPS for a little while. So like, if you get to sub one one frame for latency, like you're fine for most games. But especially if you add a convenience factor, like you know, maybe you're hardcore, like competitive people will stick out, but like most people will go to the freaking. Well, if you never tell them, they'll never know. Some people will never know, right? But like, you know, Google Stadia stuff is upwards of 20, 30 milliseconds, 40 milliseconds, depending on what you're doing, that's three, four frames, five frames. Like, you start noticing that, you know? So. Well, if that's it, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Um, actually, very, a lot, we got a lot more in depth on things that I didn't think we were going to talk about, but that's perfect. Um, that's what we're here for. <laughs> but anyways, uh, point me in a direction I can talk for hours. Uh, this has been Click Gaming's weekly podcast. Thank you, Chance. Uh, and I'm Evan. Check out the links below. Uh, like, subscribe. You know, hit us up on, like I said, the social medias and give us a shout saying that you were interested in whatever we were talking about. Uh, <laughs> on any pod, I'm not saying. I'm no, saying whatever any we were talking about. Leave no, a comment. <laughs> I'm saying any of them. If you're like, hey, I listened, like I liked, I enjoyed your podcast. Like, you have ideas. You have ideas too, because we literally spend ten minutes before the podcast. Like, what do we want to talk about today? None of us know. That's why we're so scatterbrained. But 
We'll see you next week, Scatterbrain, too. So, <laughs> uh, anyways, thank you guys so much, and we'll catch you next time.